This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alex Tai. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday the 28th of August. In your squiz today, Wagner troops pledge their loyalty to Russia. Three US Marines die in a chopper crash. Spain's soccer boss is suspended, and no sign of Nessie. This is your Squiz Today. Claire, one of the most dramatic stories last week was the private jet which fell out of the sky north of Moscow. Yevgeny Prigozhin, the leader of the Wagner mercenary group, who also led a mutiny attempt against Russian President Vladimir Putin back in June, he was said to be on board that jet. And now Russian investigators are saying that genetic testing confirms it. Even prior to Russia's announcement, American and British officials did think it was likely that Prigozhin died in the crash. Reports say that unofficially, uh, they also believe that President Putin ordered the downing of that plane. And over the weekend, troops who fight for the Wagner Group have been asked to sign an oath of allegiance to Russia's leaders and to courageously defend the nation's constitution. And that's notable because Putin's last attempt to bring those mercenary troops closer to the government led to Prigozhin leading them out of Ukraine and marching them towards Moscow in that mutiny in late June. Yes, and it's also why locking down their loyalty is so important because Wagner troops have become integral to Russia's foreign policy. They've also played a crucial role in the invasion of Ukraine, particularly during the Battle of Bakhmut, which drained Ukrainian resources. And Wagner troops are also central to Russia's interests in Syria and Africa. Yeah, the Wagner group is basically propping up governments in countries like Sudan, Mali, Syria and Libya. They're doing that in exchange for valuable mining royalties. And that's an arrangement that Putin and Russia want to continue. But one expert says that looking forward, it's likely that those troops will stay in place, although potentially under a different name and reporting to a new chief that is a bit more loyal to Putin. So what Prigozhin's demise means for Putin, uh, Western officials say that it's likely to mean Putin is stronger in the short term but weaker in the long term. Uh, That is because his actions will erode support with Russia's elites and also with the general public. Even still, Claire, and taking a slightly wider lens, we talked about the anti-US BRICS summit last week that includes Russia. And it turns out there are plenty more countries that want to join that club with Putin. Six nations, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Argentina, the United Arab Emirates and Ethiopia, they are all joining the BRICS group. Australia has played host to some big military exercises in recent weeks and they are ongoing. And yesterday morning, a US military aircraft crashed on Melville Island. That's off the coast of the Northern Territory. 
Last night, it was confirmed that three U.S. Marines were killed when their tilt rotor MV-22B Osprey came down. In total, there were 23 U.S. military personnel that were on board that aircraft and five are in a serious condition in Royal Darwin Hospital. No Australian personnel were involved in that crash, our Defence Department has said. Um, They were participating in Exercise Predators Run as part of a 500-strong American contingency, uh, along with a couple of thousand troops from Australia, the Philippines, Indonesia and Timor-Leste. American officials said an investigation is underway. It has been a month since four Aussie personnel were killed in a Taipan helicopter crash off the Whitsundays in Queensland. They were taking part in the huge talisman sabre exercises that involved military personnel from the US and a dozen other countries. The Deputy Premier of Queensland, Stephen Miles, has had to come out over the weekend to dismiss leadership speculation, saying that reports that Anastasia Palaszczuk is on the way out are just, quote, rumours and gossip. So this has been building for quite a few weeks, but it really came to a head last week. What Miles said is that uh, Labor insiders in Queensland who are worried that Premier Palaszczuk could be leading the government to an electoral defeat are wrong. That comes after a recent poll that showed that the Liberal National Party in the state was gaining a lead. They're very much focusing on this at the moment because there is a Queensland election in about 12 months' time. So they're starting to think about what that all looks like. It was also a tough week for the Labor government there last week, and that has to do with new laws around the indefinite detention of young offenders in police watch houses. It's a very controversial policy and it comes after real concerns about a youth crime crisis in the state. The policy has received pushback even from within the Labor Party, which doesn't help with that leadership speculation. Palaszczuk is currently away for two weeks of leave, which has raised some eyebrows given the high tensions and means that she is in for a rough landing when she returns to work in mid-September. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP. There has been a lot of movement over the weekend around Luis Rubiales, the president of the Spanish Football Federation, who has been in hot water ever since he kissed a player on the lips after the national team won the Women's World Cup. That player is Jennifer Hermosa. She released a statement saying that the kiss wasn't consensual and that it was a sexist and out-of-place act. There was also plenty of anger from Spanish football, from other clubs and players, uh, as well as from the team's coaching staff. They've all condemned Rubiales. But he has dug in. He says that the kiss was, and this is his words, euphoric and consensual, and he vowed not to step down. That happened on Friday last week. Uh, Since then, the Spanish Football Federation, which he runs, has also said that it would take legal action in defence of his honour. But what has happened over the weekend is that FIFA, which of course is the governing body for soccer all around the world, has suspended Rubiales from all football-related activities. That suspension comes because FIFA has opened a 
an investigation into Rubiales and the kiss. And this morning, we also heard that Rubiales' own Spanish Football Federation has also opened its own internal investigation. Claire, Alice and I mentioned last week the huge Loch Ness search that was planned over the weekend. Unlucky for them, though, they did not manage to find the monster. Alex, I'm shocked. (laughs) I'm really disappointed. I'm Uh, sure hopes were really high that that was going to (laughs) happen. So, yeah, real shock that that didn't come off for them. Uh, Organisers say that the hunt was designed to inspire a new generation of Loch Ness enthusiasts. Uh, Of course, the younger generation is getting very into it with lots of live cams up uh, all year round to try and keep an eye on Loch Ness. So, yeah, it's good to get them connected to that bit of mythology, let's call it. <laughs> it, it sounds like you have become an enthusiast, Claire. So, <laughs> I, one success for them. Anything weird I'm into. Squiz the day, Claire. What is coming up today? Look, there's a couple of big rounds of data from the ABS this week. The first out today are retail sales. That'll look back on July. So lots of questions about whether we're out and about spending, of course, with this cost of living crunch and the need to bring inflation down. And that is it for us today. We have a couple of great shortcuts coming out this week. So I reckon you should subscribe to the Squeeze Shortcuts feed if you haven't already. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back again tomorrow. G'day, I'm Kate Watson, co-host of News Club. News Club this week was an interview with Lauren Sams. She's the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. She's all over the business of fashion and retail, so I pulled her in to talk to us about fast fashion and ultra-fast fashion. In particular, businesses like Timu and Shein, who in Australia alone are on track to record more than $2 billion in sales. Here's a clip from that conversation. What is happening is that it's recalibrating fashion as a single-use item. Mm. So when you think about something that's 6 or $7, you know, my, I bought coffee this morning and that was $5.50 and that that's a single-use item to me. You know, I, I have my coffee. Like actually is, like you cannot use that twice. No. <laughs> and so when you're talking about a dress yeah. that's sort of an equivalent price, people equate it with something that doesn't need to be valued. Um, you don't need to wear it again. To listen to the full interview, just search for News Club in your podcast app and hit follow.